Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by uscfootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined alongside Shotgun Spratling and Ryan Abraham, those two little misfits over there. Misfits. <laughs> misfits. And we're not little. We've been big misfits, if anything. Uh, uh, whatever. I'll characterize you how I want to. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about USC's 38-21 victory over Oregon State. I'm fresh off the plane from Portland, which is... Good. Made it back for the show. We'll be talking about a much-needed win that USC got. We'll also be talking about injury updates. Seems like the Trojans got a little banged up in Portland. We just uh, heard from Clay Helton on his conference call, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, is, are there defensive concerns after a performance that we saw last night? There's a lot of tweets. People are, like, upset people, with people Kendrick, Kendrick Gass' defense, yeah. Yeah, people are a little feisty. So. There's been a game where people aren't upset. No, they're sure. upset about everything. I before we jump into it, yeah. I love the people that are upset about the running back situation. Before, it's like, why aren't they running Stephen Carr more? Then, why aren't they running Vavai Malpea more? Then, why aren't they running Akasar? It's like, whoever is not running as, as much, that's who they're complaining. They should be running more. So, it's, and they're it's never pretty happy. good. They're all three good. So, it's, it's you have good problems there. Yeah. We're going to sneak peek into what we're going to talk about. And, of course, we will be answering your questions. I believe we are trimal casting on YouTube, Facebook Live, and Periscope. So make sure you get your questions yeah. in. We'll be monitoring those. My buddy Sean Canale's on Periscope. I watch him. Hey, Sean. He said hi. Okay. <laughs> well, there we have it. Okay. You guys got to watch it on the broadcast version. What were your guys' takeaways from Oregon State? I mean, this was a win that USC definitely needed. If they didn't, it would be disaster, yeah. apocalypse, doomsday. Uh, but <laughs> it's a good. it was a goodish win. But how much do you take away when the opponent is Oregon State, which is not the toughest competitor? Yeah, that was a big thing on social media if you're watching or on the message boards. It's kind of like tempered thing. And I, it's funny. I had people complaining like when I would say, oh, Oregon State had a nice drive or something. Uh, I had someone complain actually about you and me. Well, why are you in shotgun always just complaining about the team? Why are you even covering them? And then other people were like, oh, that was a great play. I would say like, oh, that's a great play or something. And be like, it's Oregon State. They're terrible. Don't don't compliment them. So it's funny you get it from both sides. You're either being too positive or too negative or whatever. But I think it's a, it's a road win, not just a win away from home. It's a road win. And USC had lost two in a row. Something that they needed to do. There were some significant changes. They had to show, hey, the offense can still work without an offensive line coach or moving Tim Drevno over or not having a running back coach or however you want to look at it. Uh, I think they showed, hey, this team can work. They looked pretty good against a Oregon State fever team that can be a little feisty at times. You know, they, we saw them win on, on the road to Colorado. We saw them feisty when they scored the 21 straight points or whatever it was. Like, that was pretty good. True. They had some pretty good defensive plays at times. And then other times, it's basically when USC started to just throw the ball only, that really helped the Oregon State defense. When USC, USC said, hey, we're just going to run the ball, there's really nothing they could do. And it was a, the point where I just tweeted, like, never throw the ball again. Just <laughs> just run the ball. So you saw the talent disparity. And I think you could. it was pretty apparent, you know. Uh, but I think USC took care of business. They did what they needed to do. I'm not on board with all the fans. They're like, oh, this is terrible. It's like, hey, no, this is this is what was needed. Now you're going to play a tough Cal team. But for this game, it's like, I think it was fine. Yeah, they fixed a lot of things by playing Oregon State. <laughs> that fixes a lot True. of things. Uh, so the biggest, the biggest takeaway from this game, though, is the offensive line opening up some holes. I mean, there was some, some very – Big holes to run through. The running backs ran really hard too, you know, yeah. after there was contact. But there were a couple of those long runs that were not touched at all. Stephen Carr's first touchdown run, not touched, getting in eight yards. 
And, you know, really good performance by Chris Brown. He graded out really well as a top-rated USC player from the game, offense or defense. Toa Lobodon did really a really good job on you know sealing some of the the plays that that Stephen Carr run. There was a, a long run, but from one of the Ocasek Wear really long runs did a really nice job of getting outside of a of a block and then pinning a guy inside to open up a big lane for him. And Clay Helton said that Austin Jackson and Chuma Doga, the two tackles, he said they had their best game of the season. So I think that's the the best thing to take out or the most important thing to take out of this is the offensive line played well. They were getting a push. You know, USC did some different things. They went under center. They used a fullback on short yardage, you know, using Vi and handing the ball off to him in short yardage situations. So they did some different things there. They went for it on the fourth and shorts and got all the, all those. They were really good on third down. Really good, yeah. Because they ran the ball well on first down. It was a lot of times it was second and four, uh, second and five, rather than being second and nine or ten or twelve, you know, which has been the case a lot, you know, in the past uh, with, with the running game. So I think that was the biggest thing for USC for their offense in this game was their the running game was really good, and then it started, started with the offense line. Yeah, I think they picked up like a third and 15 or something on a running play. Like it was third was, and 16, and they picked 16. up 15 yards to give it fourth and one. And like, oh, All right, yeah, I, guess yeah. we're, I guess we'll go for it here. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. The, but, yeah, the first like eight or nine third downs, USC either converted or then picked it up on fourth down. It was like, it was pretty crazy, like a very big difference. So some really good things. USC had 332 yards rushing. Oregon State had 332 yards. So it was pretty, you know, in a 10 to 1 rate, like it was like 31 yards rushing for Oregon State. So that's that's what you want to see. Yeah, give up some points. Yeah, but I mean, I, I thought it was fine. Like, you just don't, don't look too much into it. It is Oregon State, but USC needed something like this, and they got it. Yeah, and I, I got a stat for you guys. I looked this stat up uh, using Pro Football Focus is numbers. So USC had 353 yards on the Zion runs. So that's all the, the running back carries. 353 yards. 162 of those yards were after contact. Pretty good number for USC. That's, that's really good. But that means they had 191. What I'm going to call created yards. So that means you got 191 yards before someone touches you. <laughs> that's what the that's offensive line is creating yeah. 191 yards in this game. So I looked at all the other games. USC for the rest of the season has 309 created yards. So they average 38.6 created yards per game. So the offensive line has been creating 38 yards a game. This game they created almost 200. So that shows you the offensive line had a really good game. Right. And Oregon State's pretty terrible. Well, why did the, why did the offensive line have such a good game? Yeah. Probably because Oregon State's not very good uh, up front. But uh, I give credit to them. You know, they've gone, that's obviously a tough week to go through. It seemed like they had a spark in practice and stuff. You know, it seemed like they were fueled by that to come out and perform. Good for them. Can they build on it? That's the question. Now, Cal, obviously, much better defense than Oregon State. And Cal's been playing really well. I mean, they just held, you know, Washington State, they lost the game. They held them to 19 points, late touchdown. On the road, 19 points. And, you know, the week before, it's, what, it was 10 points to Washington. So yeah, so their defense played uh, really well. I mean, well. this is a really good defense. Even Cal's, their, Cal's offense is awful. We can get into that in the, the preview show. I mean, I've, I've been watching them. It's like they're ridiculous. Uh, but they scored 49 or something against Oregon State. So they, you can score on Oregon State. So it's good. I think it's good for USC. Uh, going to be a much bigger test this weekend going forward for homecoming. Yeah. 7.30 kickoff. Yeah, we know it's about It's going to be today. a late night again. For- for us again, not yeah. Ryan. He's going to be. I'm taking this weekend off, so I might tweet a little bit from the stands. So this is my 25th reunion, so I'm old, but yeah. So, <laughs> and I'm on the reunion committee. Wow, look at and, you. And uh, yeah, so we we're, we're having. I'm doing the tailgate, so this will be the first like Coliseum game I haven't like worked. I don't know how long. Just you know, 
weird. A little bit, but sorry, I was thinking. Do you remember? It's like a time when yeah, I'm I, 2016 in the beginning. Do I, t- I think you had surgery. Oh yeah, yeah, no, not, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, like, not like going as a fan. Or <laughs> not anything, that anyone yeah. needs to know this, but uh, yeah. as far as uh, this win, uh, Dan and I said in instant analysis, you, it's good to get a win. However, you get a road win especially with the drama that happened this week, get a win. But what happens is how you respond next week. And part of that is because, I mean, we opened the show last week saying USC's Pac-12 South uh, hopes were all but gone. And now we're coming back on this show saying, eh, there's still a chance. Yeah. I mean, USC has the the easiest schedule, quote-unquote, going forward against Cal and UCLA. They need uh, Utah and ASU to win one each, and they both play Oregon. To lose one each. Lose one, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they still have a shot. Isn't that pretty crazy? They could be the favorite. Uh, Arizona State is the only team, I, I believe, uh, uh, that controls its own destiny. Uh, but they're, you know, they have a tough... They have actually three conference games left, where a lot of the other people only have two. Um, so it's uh, it's it's definitely doable. Obviously, you got to win both games, and the Cal game will be the toughest. UCLA can be a little feisty, but they've just had some. I mean, they've just done some horrible things. Like their special teams were awful. Awful. They they ran out. They ran up. I saw your tweet about this. I was like, what? Yeah, like what David Woods was talking about it. Um, they they went out for a field goal and didn't have a kicker. So it was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> seems like an important part of the situation. I don't know. But they, they know. like they had so many bad special teams plays and stuff. I mean, um, USC doesn't even do that. They might go and take the field with ten players, but they yeah. at least have the important ones, yeah, like, like the, the kicker, kicker and the horn. Yeah. Uh, so UCLA, like that's. But it's a rivalry game, and, you know, Chip Kelly might have them really up for that. But Cal, like, for real, legit, played Washington, Washington State two weeks in a row and gave up a total of 29 points. So both the, the only two touchdowns Cal scored the last two weeks were by defensive players. One was a pick six, and one was that, uh, was it Malik, uh, what's his name, Malik? Uh, I forget his name, but he's the big number 99 guy that they run as a fullback sometime, threw him a pass. So oh, I the saw only that. two touchdowns they've had were defensive players. So it's not like this is a great offense. Uh, and they mix up. We'll talk about that next time. But really good defense. So USC is going to have a, a much tougher task. They're not going to be able to run like Swiss cheese like you could through uh, the Oregon State defense. True. Uh, our preview show is on Thursday, so make sure you watch out for that. But uh, you kind of alluded to some changes we saw as far as the offense goes. This is Clay Helton's first game back as play caller. What did you guys see, if anything, uh, changes in the, in the scheme? It's kind of hard to tell because... Like you said, it's playing Oregon State, but it did at first. It seemed like it wasn't as it didn't flow. I don't know if you felt that on the field. Like plays weren't really getting in there quickly. You wanted to get in quicker because he's already on the sidelines. But then I think they ran more tempo stuff, and it seemed to flow uh, better. So uh, maybe it just took him a little bit while to uh, a little while to get used to it. But I, I thought it, you know, it looked fine. Uh, but he said it on the conference call this evening. Like it's a lot easier to call plays when the running game's working. So when you yeah. can just hand the ball off and just you pick up a whole bunch of yards, but second and two is, you know, I, I like calling plays for second and two. I mean, <laughs> third and 16, you pick up 15 yards just by handing the ball. And they did that a couple times where yeah. they picked up lots of yards on third, third and longs. And they're like, you know, that's something USC maybe has done once this year on third and long where they hand the ball off. And I don't know if it's just that they had confidence that they can pick up those yards or it's just like, yeah, we're running the ball, let's just try it yeah. type of thing. Uh, because that's, you know, third and 15 or something, that's a lot of times you'll see screens, you'll see draws, that type of thing. Uh, especially in the SEC, they really like to run halfback draws yeah. on, on third and long. You don't see that from USC. But today, they just, you know, went with their regular offense and, you know, they were tearing up 
uh, the Oregon State front. So they're just like, oh, let's try it out. And Stephen Carr picks up 15. They go for on fourth down. They get it, continue the drive, and they score. Um, so the the crazy one of the craziest things I saw, you know, when looking back through the stats was that first drive was 18 plays. Yeah, yeah. six first downs on that first drive. Like, sustained no way. drives. Yeah. USC. <laughs> yeah, the sustained drives, but six six first downs. Like, there's no way they've come close to that this year. And there wasn't a lot of tight end involvement, which I would have liked to see in a game like this. But there was at least a couple like screens or swing passes out to to we running back. We did see Eric Cromenhook. He came in to block, right? Yes. He, he played, block he played well. like probably ten to fifteen plays. I haven't charted yet, but that's he had only played one de- uh, offensive snap the last two weeks. So he got back in there. You saw Trayvon Sydney play a little bit. He yeah, had not he played had at catch, all yeah. the last two weeks. Uh, so they used some more bodies. Obviously, with Michael Pittman going down, you saw Devin Williams a lot more. Devin Williams had a really nice game. Yeah. Leading receiver for USC. He had his first touch, first catch. Yeah, first touchdown first catch. Uh, you know, he was leading the team in like yards or something. At he some did point lead him. He did okay, finish, yeah. finish the game. Uh, he had three catches for seventy-seven yards, I think. Um, the well, fact the that I've been saying all year is like, just get him a short pass, and if you do that, <laughs> it'll open things up for the deep passes. Keely's, I've been Keely's saying not paying attention. I've been yeah. saying. Sorry, I'm monitoring. <laughs> That's okay. You missed my joke. Oh, <laughs> funny. Um. <laughs> no, shotgun has been saying that because we've seen very low percentage passes to Devin Williams and critical situations like why are you throwing him the ball when you really need a catch and a, and and you've been you've definitely been saying like just dump a little off to him and let him run by some people once they did that it seemed like the floodgates opened now Michael Pittman was out but it, it helped yeah so I mean every pass that he had had in before this game had been a deep ball his first yeah. pass in this game was a deep ball and then they throw him basically a, a seven-yard stop route on – or six-yard stop route or whatever it was. It was third and five or six or something like that. Picks up a first down. And then a couple plays later, they throw the deep ball and it's there. And, you know, actually you saw him on that first deep ball where he kind of slowed down a little bit. And JT talked about it after the game. I watched Achilles' interview with him that said, you know, he basically said, if it's press coverage, I'm coming back to you. Get out there. You know, nobody can stop you in press cut. You know, once you get by him, you're running by whoever. He said, I'll you know, do a quicker fake so I can get it out in front of you a little bit quicker. Um, and he did that. It was perfect throw by JT on that ball. It was pretty good. Not great coverage. It was pretty good coverage. Yeah, yeah. The DB was there, and he just dropped it right in the breadbasket. Touchdown. And he, later, I think at the beginning of the second half, he had a nice catch you know, where he's, he catches the ball on the move, and he picks up another 15 yards or so after the catch. So doing some different things then besides, okay, well, he's big and he's fast. We're just going to throw deep balls every time until it works. Right. It's like playing hoops, like you want to get that first basket, whatever, if it has to be a free throw, whatever it is, you get you, you get something to go through the hoop once, and it's like you feel like yeah. more comfortable doing it. And obviously it helped because he was getting more plays because Michael Pittman was out. Yeah. The severity of that injury, still to be determined. Clay said that he's going to have an MRI on it, I guess, tomorrow, uh, which does not sound good for his immediate availability uh, yeah. on his shoulder. So, you know... Keely, what did he kind of look like on Should the sideline? He looked a lot. He he was definitely in a lot of pain. I heard from people on the sideline that he was crying. Um, he left in the first quarter and then didn't return until halfway through the third, which made you think that he was going through maybe tests or x-rays or something of that sort. Um, so that was pretty bad. Uh, Stephen Carr as well. Uh, he was super gimpy. He was trying to get to the trainer's table and actually had to be carried to the table and then was eventually carted off. Uh, he did leave with the boot. Uh, gimpy, that's a, Helton said it was a significant ankle sprain. So those high are two ankle sprain, high yeah. ankle sprains. So, uh, those are two ma- major ish injuries, but we'll get an update later in the week. But yeah, the two big offensive players, obviously Michael Pittman and Stephen Carr. 
And then there's some concern in the secondary, too, as far as, I guess this is our injury updates section. Yeah, it is. Um, injury updates coming. Uh, Emma Marshall had a, an ankle sprain as well. He played really well. I think I retweeted him today. Like, if someone asked how many, I think it was Rich SC asked, yeah. like, how many uh, passes he had given up or something. You know, and the numbers were pretty good as far as what he did. But it's pretty banged up secondary. Clay Helton said, you know, they could move some guys around. You've already moved Jonathan Lockett, who could play corner. Uh, and you have him at the uh, at the nickel spot because you had to move a Jenny Harris to the safety spot. Um, but if you're down another corner, because uh, Greg Johnson also, what was his uh, um, shoulder injury? And, and and Lockett actually played corner during parts of the game, which is they moved everyone around. Yeah, so it was so a lot. There's just not a lot of bodies in the secondary now. You you had that run on safeties. Now you get a little bit of run on corners. Obviously, like you know Jack Jones. There's some departures. There's people getting injured. Um, so it's uh, sort of a mash unit in the secondary right now. Yeah. Now, Cal's not like the greatest offense in the world, but certainly you'd like to have a few more healthy bodies if you could. Yeah, definitely. I mean, looking at it right now, with you know, Emon Marshall left with an ankle injury, Greg Johnson left with a shoulder injury. If you count those guys as injured, USC currently has two scholarship safeties, Marvell Tell and C.J. Pollard. They have two scholarship uh, nickelbacks. These are healthy, healthy scholarship nickelbacks in uh, Jenny Harris and John Lockett, and one scholarship cornerback <laughs> in Isaiah Langley, and he's the guy that's getting picked on the most right now yeah. uh, for from you know pass attempts and stuff. So the question is, who do they get back this week? Elijah Griffin didn't travel on the trip. Could he be back this week? He practiced some sure. last week. Isaac Taylor Stewart's out of the boots. You know he's walking around a little bit, but he hasn't practiced at all, so don't know if yeah. he's going to be back. Is Emon Marshall going to be back? Is you know, can Greg Johnson come back? Greg Johnson, that's all in the back of one of the videos, you know, walking by, didn't have ice or anything on his shoulder. So hopefully that's a good sign for it. He only played a couple of snaps. Uh, and then the question becomes, if no one else is healthy, you play, you're, are you going to play those five guys, which you probably will. That means C.J. Pollard goes in at safety. Jenny Harris moves back to one of the cornerback spots. So now you're, you're limited on what you can do. Because Oregon State in the second half and, you know, that the two-minute drill that they ran at the end of the first half, they were going five wide a lot of the times. USC, I don't know, they did not go. They stayed in the nickel, yeah. which meant John Houston and Cam Smith were still on the, on the field. I don't know if they felt limited enough. You know, they're like, I, I don't think we can There's go to problem. dime, yeah. which yeah. is something they practiced you know, before is dime, where you have six defensive backs. It's kind of like, well, can we go dime? So maybe you look at it, you know, okay, they've given up a bunch of those passes, and maybe that's because some of those passes were against linebackers, and they have to play a little bit more zone coverage because you've got linebackers. You know, the touchdown pass that they had, I think, right before the half was Kanai Malga was having to guard it. It was the offensive, you know, outside linebacker having to, you know, go outside and try to guard somebody. So there's some things there where the defense was a little bit limited, I think, in what they could do. Um, so how much of those injuries play a part going forward, you know, didn't hurt you against Oregon or it hurt you against Oregon State. Didn't, uh, you know, didn't affect the outcome of the game. But will it against a team that, like Cal that's, you know, playing really good defense. We'll see. And we'll see who's back. You never know who's right. going to be back until Tuesday uh, uh, for sure. So, How often did uh, C.J. Pollard play? How much did he play? Do you know? Looking at – so going by pro football stats, pro football focus stats, as I have not done my charting yet, he played four snaps. Now he had a sack on one of those sacks, yeah. uh, on one of those uh, snaps. So, um, so they still don't really – I mean, it just doesn't seem like they trust him yeah. as much as they trust Jonathan Lockett. That's kind of the the dilemma. Is like, do you put you know if you put CJ in, you're going to move Virginia Harris down in that nickelback spot. So it, it's kind of a question: Do you trust the fifth year senior and Jonathan Lockett, who's playing really well right now, by the way, um, or do you trust CJ Pollard? Because Virginia Harris is obviously the guy that they they trust probably the most 
uh, as far as any of those defensive backs, you know, even though you got really good guys in Marvell Tell and Emont Marshall, is they trust him as a coach on the field to you know to be the guy because you know that he's the guy they want on the field the most, uh, and so they found a way to put him on there with the, the injuries of safety. So it, it's down to Lockett versus Pollard in that, in that regard. And Clancy Finnegan said said after the game that they're going to stick with a JNA at uh, safety and then Lockett at nickel. So going forward, unless. I would assume that means he has two healthy cornerbacks because if he doesn't, yes, then they'll be then That's what I was saying, assuming going forward that they have healthy uh, cornerbacks. Uh, I'm actually going to go do a question now that will address some of the defensive questions okay. we had. Corey says, I generally like the aggressiveness of Pendergast's defense, but why in the world did they not have a way to stop the short slant passes? We had uh, on Periscope 2, Todd MYR. Can Clancy learn how to defend the receiver slants? Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> And then uh, someone said, blink twice if Ryan is already talking in circles. But we'll go back to I don't know if I was doing that already. I'm sure I have already. Um, yeah, so that, that was a lot of the social media stuff with people talking about, there's more slants, more slants. And that, you know, early on, the first uh, Oregon State drive, they had a couple of passes there, uh, short passes to the sticks. But one of them only went nine yards, and then they couldn't, second and one, they couldn't get a first down at all. They ended up punting on that drive. So that... That was kind of a you know momentum, and then you know they they came down the second drive and missed a field goal. But they were that that quick passing game was working pretty well for Oregon State. Yeah, but also you're forcing a team that's very bad to go the distance yeah. against your team that has better athletes. And they gave up what twenty one points. Yeah, it was sort the of twenty one points ben, is not great. Ben, but, but don't yeah, break. Yeah, they basically kind of played Ben, but don't break. You saw that they were playing more outside leverage with the corners in that situation, you know, funneling stuff towards the middle of the field where the safeties would be. And then when they got down towards the goal line, if you noticed, like right before halftime, uh, I think it was, Jenny Harris, they tried to throw a fade ball, and he played more inside leverage on that. So I, I think it was more situational where they were just like, this team's not good enough to yeah. be able to constantly do well. And that was one of the drives early, and that probably gave them a little bit more confidence in their game plan. Like, yeah, we don't need to come out of this. Even if they get nine yards, we'll probably stop them on the next play, <laughs> you know, if it's third and one or something. So uh, I, I think that that's part of it. When you're playing bad teams, you know, you make them do something good repetitively because yeah. usually they're bad for a reason. Usually they'll mess things up. And, you know, they did give up 21 points. But, you know, I thought USC played pretty clean on the defensive side. You know, there, there weren't that many penalties or anything as far sure. as – are as far as you know, helping them out. So I think that was part of the game plan. Not sure. I mean, that was something I would ask uh, Pendergast as the game, but you know, I, I think that was part of it. It, it it's it's kind of that death by a thousand cuts type of thing, yeah. where it's oh come on, you guys, they're doing it every single time. But you would rather do that than have them. You know, Hodgins on the outside is I think six four. Yeah. You know, if he's going up against Isaiah Langley, you would much rather give up a eight yard slant pass and tackle well. And USC did really tackle well in this game. Uh, so you'd rather give up that than the potential of the big play on the outside, which I think is what hurt Colorado a lot was the big play. Yeah, on the there outside. were some they had some big plays. And you know, Clay Hilton said on the conference call too that early on they wanted to stop the run. So Jamar they knew yeah. Jefferson well. They stacked the box in the first half most of the time, stopped the run like that play. You know, it was second and one. They ran it nothing. Third and one ran it nothing. They ended up punting on that drive, you know. So that was the opening drive. Like that's something that and USC ended up having that, you know, crazy 58-play drive or whatever it was to score a touchdown. Uh, obviously, it wasn't that. But, you know, I, so I think they did that. And then in the second half, he, they dropped into coverage a lot more. And I think you saw less success. But USC was also able to get pressure. Type. I think a lot of times they were stacking the box. And for some reason, they weren't getting pressure. On the, and, they, you know, and Luton was back there being able to deal and uh, pick up some of those, you know, those drives and continue them going. That was tough. I mean, for Oregon State to do that three drives in a row, yeah. I think it was three drives in a row. I mean, it was pretty... 
uh, impressive. But USC kind of backed off the, you know, they, they were stopping the run anyway and uh, dropped back into coverage and was still generating pressure with the front four. You saw John Houston, like, blow up some crazy-ass play that was, uh, that might have been on the, the missed field goal drivers. I don't remember, but, like, just blessing forward. So there were some pretty big individual plays, six sacks overall. Uh, so, it was, I, you know, I thought it was a good day. Christian Rector was a part of four of those sacks. Yeah. He got credit for two and a half sacks. He was really good in this game. Jake Tefele was really good. He was throwing people out of the way like <laughs> it was nothing. He had two sacks in this as well. Um, you know, the the running backs and quarterback that were running, um, not counting uh, Luton's sack totals and not counting, you know, whatever carries he may have had because his long was two yards. They had 23 carries for like 76 yards. So if you can get that, you know, especially with the leading rusher in the Pac-12 coming yeah. in this game, then that's what you're going to do. You're, you're loading the box. He never got lo- – I mean, he could never yeah. get on track. Yeah. And, and that's it was- what Clancy has done. He's always limited. He's choosing one thing to limit, and he chose that. So. Yeah. I mean, Luton's threw, threw for 300 yards, 301 yards. It took 45 attempts to get that. So I think you live with that, and you, you expect that your offense, especially the way they're playing, like let's not give up big plays. Let's just force them to drive. If they score, they score. Um, you know, and the offense was just controlling uh, the ball completely in the, in the first half. So you just like the offense will take care of it. You know, if we give up 21, 28 points, we'll be fine. And that's kind of the attitude that Clancy had after the game when we asked him. He was like, well, they kept just going for the slant. That's something that we didn't see on film coming into this game. But we figured it out. We made adjustments, and, and we lived to see another day. He was pretty much like, yeah, we there was some adjustments, but it's not that big of a deal. But when you go on Twitter, everyone's like, ah! So it's it's the juxtaposition was funny about Clancy. Yeah, Millie003 says, seems like they needed to blitz a little more. I don't know. I mean... They were getting pressure with the front four a lot. I don't, I don't know if you... They blitzed more in the first half, uh, and I think some of those were run blitzes yeah. in, intended to try to slow uh, Jefferson. But then, uh, you know, the second half, they started... You know, there were times when they dropped eight guys, and, you know, they just trusted Rector and Tufele and whoever was the third guy to try to get there, and Malik Dorton and some other guys. Um, so I think that they, there was a lot of blitzing in the first half, but in the second half, they kind of backed off and it played more coverage, I think. We can go to questions. Do sure, yeah, let's do uh, – because, you know, what else are we going to say? It's funny. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's like, how much do you take out of this game? Like, I've, is this just a, a shrug game where you're like, yeah, it's a win, but, like, how much can you extrapolate from this game? Because USC could go on next week and lose to Cal. Like, uh, how much do you take yeah. out of this? You can usually tell by the questions we get for the podcast, and it was just, like, not as many people calling it. Like, the, if there's a lot of voicemails, like, it could be a great win. It could be, uh, a, you know, a loss, a disappointing loss. It could be – a, you know, a, a win you're upset about. This was just kind of a meh, you know, it's like, it's fine. Like you did what you had to do. It wasn't, it was just kind of, I, someone tweeted me. That was a really good physical practice. Again, I thought that was great. Like that's oh, kind that's of what funny. that was. It was, that was going to be the most physical practice you were going to get like <laughs> leading up to Cal. So yeah, it was fine. <laughs> what do you think? Like, it's, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. Whoever tweeted that. I, I retweeted you, but I don't remember who it was. So I'm sorry. I think it was like a, I remember. They have a blue icon. Uh, we have a question from Steve who says, has Toa Lobendon's struggles been addressed? Will he move to a new position before the end of the season? We asked Clay Helton about it again at post game. He said uh, Toa only had two, only two bad snaps. He said that they'll get it addressed. He went in and explained again how Toa has changed his, his hand technique. Um, but Toa is a center. It seems like some, that's something that's not going to change the rest of the season. Yeah. it's uh, People tweet me about that. People ask, like, people in the media are like, hey, uh, what's, you know, if they don't follow USC, what's going on with that? I'm like, we've asked Clay Elton. The, the one time it was direct, like, hey, you're going to replace them. He's like, Toa Lobo, that's our center. 
Uh, I don't think he's backing off of that right now. Is it Clay Helton's call or Tim Drevno's call? I believe it's Clay Helton's call. He likes the senior there. Uh, would Brett Milan do a good job snapping? I, I, I think he would, but don't expect that. I don't think that's happening. And Toa thought he, you know, he had yeah, you felt very confident. You, did you jinx him it's with the, your it's interview? It's the shotgun jinx. Last week it? was Callaway. The oh, next week man. is Toa. <laughs> See, I interviewed Drevno. He gets promoted. So, you know, <laughs> so no one wants to interview him. Thanks a lot, guys. No, he he felt very confident going into the game. Uh, you know, he even thought he said he thought he would have a perfect uh, game, and he had a good line about it. You know, he came back with a tweet and said, "Oh, I guess I jinxed myself." Uh, so, you know. It's it's something he hears, he knows, he understands. Uh, it's something he wants to be perfect at. It's not like he's trying to mess up, obviously. Um, and That's good. really, it was it was those two snaps. I didn't really I didn't really see any of the other ones. I didn't really you know the other ones stood out. I didn't notice much, but Keely was saying there was some. It wasn't there. as bad as it has been, but it, there were some where it was all over the place. I think it's hard to tell in the broadcast, but like there were some that were offline. You guys should check out the Peristyle. Keely put that gif up there I of did. Uh, Toa snaps. It was pretty good. From last week. From last uh, week. I actually thought, you know, even the, the second snap that JT didn't handle, I thought wasn't that bad of a snap. It was right below uh, the, the belt, basically. And, you know, he just he snapped it hard, and JT didn't get, didn't get his hands down quick enough to it. Um, so I think there's a little bit of fault there for both of them. He, what he did differently this week it looked like it was there's more velocity on, on the snaps, it seemed to me. Uh, so I, I think that's a change he made. I think that's a positive because it, he's not being hesitant with it. So I think it, I think it's going to be. It looks like it's improving to me. Whereas earlier, you know, it looked like oh this is you know some this, this troublesome yeah. and it's not going to be fixed. It looked like it was an improvement in practice in this in this past game. I yeah, thought. I mean it could have been disaster. I mean whoever's fault it was, there was two balls that were on the ground. Yeah, the fact that JT recovered JT, both of them yes. was pretty miraculous. <laughs> like if that happens against Cal, that's not happening. And and is that how they score their defensive touchdown? Their defensive player scores. They're going to. Sc- I mean they're going to put pressure on you. So you guarantee. Uh, Tim uh, Tim DeRuiter, the defensive coordinator for Justin Wilcox, there, uh, they're going to put a lot of pressure on that exchange and, and what's going on there, and they're going to you know potentially force some turnovers. So that's something that we're going to have to watch this week in practice because you're talking about a game that might be in the teens instead of in the 30s when you're playing Cal. One turnover like that can can crush you. So yeah, I mean, as far as keeping Toa at center, it seems like maybe it's a move to to get him to the next level. But at what point? Does it hurt him to stay at center versus maybe guard where he might have a better showing? Yeah, I would think he's going to play like guard or something at, at the next level. I don't think he's going to be a center at the next level, but I don't know. I mean, so is it really helping him or I I don't know. I'm no and I'm not some NFL expert. I'll ask some some of the dudes that, that we <laughs> talked to. We talked to some dudes, some scouts, <laughs> and uh, see what they say. But um, I I would think he'd probably project as a guard. Yeah. Um, so maybe playing somewhere, but. It, like we said, I don't think that's happening. Uh, David wants to know, what can USC do to get the tight ends more involved in the offense? Um, well, I mean, if you throw it to them, that's, that will help. <laughs> I knew that was coming. The Ryan, <laughs> classic Ryan troll response. I don't know. They Like, against Arizona State, they, they got involved. Josh Fala was involved, um, which I, I like him a lot. I, I'm not sure. Like, at this point... Is it, it is what it is. It's like, is that shotgun's thing? It just, it, it is what it is. And, That's Lane Kiffin's thing, but it's <laughs> barred it for a bit. Uh, I thought you might see more of it this week, especially when you're running the football that well and you can do some. I mean, that's, you know, you run the football well, it's like perfect. You can throw to tight ends. You know, it just seems like that would mesh. 
and just be part of like, yeah, it's gonna work. And you got two backs in a lot. You could, but nope, didn't happen. Yeah, they, they ran some some two tight end sets. Pretty, uh, you know, I saw several of those in the game. You saw probably some three tight end sets as well in the short yardage stuff. So they were in there. Um, I I can't really put a lot of fault with any part of the game plan. I mean, they just ran. It, they should never have thrown the ball to begin with, ever. <laughs> just run the ball. Just you're picking Taking up like Ryan's seventy-two yards a carry, basically, is what it felt like at times. So I didn't think you really needed to throw the ball. There was one point where I tweeted like. I was like, okay, they don't need to throw the ball again. And then they threw like two plays later. And I'm like, what are you doing? I, yeah. said, I just told you not to throw the ball at all again. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, that's, I did the same thing. And someone tweeted me like, see, if it's a play action to Josh Fowler or something, that works. And I was like, yeah, don't just don't throw it. Like, there's no need to. Yeah, I think JT had like 130 or 40 yards at, at halftime. And he ended up with 177. So Yeah, there was no. Uh, didn't need to throw in the second half at all. No. They, and that's when, when Oregon State went on the run. And USC wasn't putting up points. It was like they were through the ball like a whole bunch of times in a row. Not that they can't do it, but it just it, you could, we went away from what was working. So uh, I think the opportunity to do that though uh, was it David um, was in the first half when you're talking about they they were it was more of a balanced thing. In the second half, it wasn't balanced. It was like, hey, you figured out like we can you're just pounding people like yeah, 190 yards before contact like that's ridiculous. So you know. Yeah, we have a question. We actually got multiple questions about this, uh, which say, what about Dominic Davis for a body in the secondary? So I've got some of these comments as well as, you know, what about the possibility of Pi Young? What about Dominic Davis? I think those. Dominic are- Davis is there, actually. He's. Isn't he practice with the corner yeah. still? Yeah, he's a, he's a DB. I've also heard He's got, on scholarship. I was going to throw up, and Trayvon Sidney as well. Uh, are the names being tossed out? Devin Williams. Do- no. <laughs> Devin, uh, Dominic Davis is your, your alternative. But I mean, yeah, he's actually there. I totally forgot about him. He's, he's legit, <laughs> like in the. Like, it's not like move him to the secondary. He's in the secondary. He is Ryan. <laughs> I did, I forgot about him too. But he's there. That <laughs> is a possibility. It's not like you corrected. We talked about like how many scholarship guys were left. It's not like you corrected. I'm us. reading comments, people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a very good point. Our buddy uh, Michael Castillo would love to see him at Heisman contender back, but, yeah, Dominic Davis. <laughs> But yes, like that's his joke that he makes. Shotgun. Oh. You listen to the podcast. Yeah, uh, it's really he could play. Like he, and he would, may be forced to. Yeah, the thing is, and so, so with some guys, they're trying to save them with certain, you know, certain amount of games so they can redshirt. Uh, Chase Williams that was also tossed around in the comments. Still injured. He's injured, and he moved to safety, but obviously he was at a corner yeah. spot. Like right now, it doesn't really matter what, if as long as you're at second, you're, you know. You're about that size. You're in the secondary. You play wherever. Yeah, positions aren't important right now. <laughs> no. If we can get into, getting Nicole. people healthy is the first thing, and yeah. there's a ton of people healthy. Maybe but Dominic Davis is, is one. I'm sorry for for forgetting that one, um, but he has not played a snap of cornerback in his career yet. So, um, oh, that's but, our buddy Eddie. I don't think I would have to check, double check on that one. What's up, Eddie? Oh, Eddie. Hey, Eddie. Candy, Eddie. Sorry, Eddie. Didn't recognize you. Healy doesn't. You know, she not No, he hasn't. Here. He hasn't played one because he got moved last year. He didn't play at all last year. Yeah. His profile picture was small, in my defense. Um, guys, get your questions in. There's just a lot of comments. I got some questions. Go for it, Shoddy. What's your uh, predictions for the balance of the season? I just like the fact that they use balance. It's not oh. just the rest of the balance season. Balance of what sense? The balance of the season, when it means the rest of it. The remainder of oh. the season. Your oh. balance. This I believe they're going to be balanced on offense for their balance of the season. So yeah. Clay even said that, you know, I really want to be balanced and stuff, but they, they ran the ball 44 times and threw it 26, I think, or something yeah. like that. So 
he wanted to get the flow. Like he was asked about the play calling and stuff, and he's like, "I'm most critical of myself," you know, whatever. But he he talked about like he wanted to kind of get them in the flow of the game, get the tempo going, and yeah, I think I think he did fine. But as far as like the balance of the season, I mean, I don't know. That's why we're here. We're trying to figure it out. But like, <laughs> the Cal game is pretty important. Um, I mean, it comes down to next week, right? Yeah, I mean that's huge. Hypothetically, UCLA they can take care of. I mean. You saw Oregon State like get close, but it really there was a pretty big difference in talent. Now I think there's a difference in talent between USC and Cal, but Cal's a well-coached team, and they have to be coached by a guy that Clay Helton fired. Um, so is that amazing? Like a cast-off from the Clay Helton staff is now like a fairly successful head coach in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, props to Justin Wilcox. We've talked about it a million times. I like the you know the staff he's put together. But they're not good on offense, and they're doing some stupid things on offense, and they're getting a lot of public criticism about it. They're, they 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 have Chase Garbers, their their quarterback, who's not very fleet of foot, and then uh, uh, Brandon Mac, McElwain. yeah, Mac, Brandon McElwain, who's like more of the the athlete. McElwain's committed like thirteen turnovers or something, and threw one touchdown pass, and they keep putting him into the games, like just just randomly, like it might be for it's, it's kind of like if you you're you're a pitcher, like you're a batter, and like. You get pinched hit for, and the guy comes in a two-two count, and you're like, you expect the guy to do something. They're pulling Garbers out, and then, then they'll put him in at third and nine because like they run two plays with McElwain, and you're like, what are you doing? And then I tweeted in the game, so Cal's trying to come back and score, and they put McElwain in, and I'm like, I tweet like uh, Michael Lev, our buddy, talked about, yeah, what is Cal doing? And I said, it's almost like they just want to commit another turnover or something. And then he throws a pick in the end zone. <laughs> like before, I'm like, this is exactly what they're doing. So it disrupts the offense. It's obvious that it disrupts the offense. And they continue to do it. And I don't know why. So they're brilliant on defense. But the, the offensive stuff, and they, used, they were using three quarterbacks at the beginning of the season. They cut it down to two. But it's, you're going to win with one and not with the other. And I don't know what they're doing. So we'll see if they do that against USC. It's apt that you bring up that analogy because Brendan McElwain also plays baseball at Cal. And if he would have went out of baseball, if he would have went out of high school and signed, it probably would have been a second or third round pick. Really? Interesting. So he's a legit so dude there. Yeah. So he, can't, he actually went to South Carolina. The football was the secondary thing. So that, you know, him being a quarterback is a secondary thing, I guess, kind of for him. So he's actually a better baseball player than he is. Yeah. I mean I, I mean, I think he's okay, but just the way they're using him, it's either, well, you want to play him, play him. Like, if you want the more athletic quarterback, do it. But you're mixing it up, and it's just screwing up your offense, in my opinion. And most everyone on Twitter, too, but it's just kind of crazy. That is crazy. Uh, we have a question, interesting question from Jonathan, who says, what should Clay Helton change in his philosophy if he returns in 2019? I don't know if he's changing his philosophy. Like, that's his philosophy. I'm saying, what should he? He what should change should he? physicality. Yeah. We had a question about this on the podcast too about um, it's and people just want oh you want a full tackle every day and stuff but there's uh, there's different concepts where yes you I don't think you can have as much contact as, as what you could back in the the Junction Boys days and all that kind of stuff but you want to tackle I mean you want to practice smarter and I think there's definitely techniques that you can incorporate where it's not going to come off as soft or whatever is yeah. kind of you see now. So, I, I mean, I think certainly that would be uh, something we've already seen in the end of No Pads November. I think that helps. Yeah. Um, but I, I really feel like upgrading, I don't know if it's philosophy, but upgrading the, the coaching staff is something yeah. that you want to look around the staff and go, these, these guys could be head coaches 
And you're not really looking around the staff and, and seeing that right now. Yeah. Surrounding himself with more experience doesn't help or doesn't hurt. Um, I also think implementing more competition in practices. I feel like it's definitely uh, we know what's going to happen. Scout team kind of is there just to be there. You know, I, I think if there's more competition, more liveliness in practice, maybe switching it up. Don't stick to a script throughout the whole year. Change it up. I don't know. Things that, that make people on their toes, players on their toes, so that the competition lives on throughout the season. Yeah. No, I like that. That'd be... Shotgun? Um, yeah. More competition is always good, and you know that would lead to, or physicality would lead to that more. Yeah. I mean, Clay's even gone. He tried to be, you know, have more competition as far as, you know, last two years when there would be some fisticuffs back and forth, he would stop the whole team and they'd have to do up-down stuff. This year it was like, well, as long as it's just two guys going at each other, it's fine. I like to see that competition. Like, he changed that. That was something he changed. Yeah. Um but and their week, what was it called? Mod, Mod, game, Mod week game week was terrific. It was fantastic. And if they would continue that, I mean, that's that's why you go to No Pads November because you you've had weeks like this for three months now. But that there's no use in doing No Pads November if you haven't been hitting all the time. Now I understand they have a ton of injuries, and we've talked about it before. Is the question becomes, is your body prepared? for the contact when you don't have any contact in practice and stuff. You know, having a tackle period once a day is not a bad thing. You practice your tackling, you practice avoiding those tackles. Uh, I know the quarterbacks can't do that. Then it, you can bring out the yellow jerseys for guys that, you know, they're limited or whatever it may be. Hey, we don't want to tackle this guy to the ground. He's got a bad shoulder. Whatever it is, you can do that or keep those guys out. But you should still have those type of periods at least once a day would not be bad. I don't yeah. yeah. More physicality is not never a bad thing in football. For any uh, Periscope super users out there, there's some weird stuff going on. We're getting, like, repeat questions. It's like they're bots, but they're, like, really specific questions. Like, what is Dan Weber? Oh, different ways of asking what Dan Weber eats for breakfast. So I'm just, like, I don't know what's going Like, this is oh, very strange. Like, different people and, like, the same questions. The bots are taking over. I don't know, but they're, like, but they're not. They're smart questions. So it's not just, like, USC some random. football bots. Yeah, Very I don't know. Specific. If you guys know Periscope, or yeah, let us know someplace else, but it's kind of interesting. Daniel says, do, does USC even have a chance to win against Notre Dame? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think Notre Dame's that great. I mean, they're not, they were much better a few years ago when they were in the National Championship uh, contingent, and USC was right in that game. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the country. I mean, but they beat Michigan, and Michigan looks like really good. Beat Michigan right the very now. first game, yeah. And people were like, "Harbaugh needs to be fired." And then Michigan's offense got better because yeah. they were playing a first-time quarterback. That's the thing. All the teams at the top right now are playing first first-time quarterbacks. George, he said, to first four teams. So Michigan, Alabama, Clemson, and, uh, and Notre Dame all have first-time first-year starters. Yeah, at quarterback. No, but no, certainly there's a chance. I mean, USC has a very talented roster, and. We were talking about this like off the air, like can easily make the Rose Bowl. Like you'll probably play Washington State. You've already beat. You should probably beat Cal and UCLA. Uh, you know, easily Utah and Arizona State can lose a game. So I mean, the path of the Rose Bowl is not like you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like going through Fallujah or something. Like you can, you know, it's like a stroll through Iowa at this point. Like you can just like, oh, well, that's fine. Uh, what was that movie, Stripes, where they're, like, a, attacking, uh, I don't know, whatever. We'll, we won't get all that stuff. That's an old reference. <laughs> um, and I'm not even getting it right. But, yeah, no, certainly it's it's capable of doing that. And if you could, there's a little cherry on top if you could actually beat Notre Dame, too. But I, I do think Notre Dame's legit. I think you'll take 
a really good effort from USC. Like the what you saw against Oregon State, like that sort of effort, I don't think you're going to beat Notre Dame. But you can play up to your potential and beat Notre Dame. But we haven't seen USC really do that, certainly not for four quarters. Mike Rust says, why can't they get Palaie Naoteote on the field more often? So Palaie Naoteote was benched the game before. Yeah. yeah, That's part of the reason why he wasn't on the game this game. When, when your all-conference Amer- all potential All-American senior comes back, captain, as a linebacker spot, comes back and has led you in tackles for three years, he's going to go back in that spot. So, and John Houston's been playing, you know, it's probably played his best string of games, yeah. three games set. He probably uh, had the best defensive play in that game. That yeah, in that game, everybody. he was really good again in the Colorado game. So, he's been playing pretty well. I don't know where you want to put him. Now, maybe you can put him on the edge and pass rush some, like they did a little bit in that Washington State game. But then I think you're just trying to get him in the game uh, instead of trying to get him in. And Clancy was asked, you know, will he move to a different position? He's like, no, he's going to stay at that position. Next year, he's going to take over uh, Cam Smith's spot. So they want him there learning that spot. And the thing is, if he had a really good game against Arizona State, they might be trying to find a way for him in. But when you struggle in a game, and so, and that's what happens. Freshmen struggle, and then teams say, okay, let's attack that guy. And that's what happens. So, no, they're not going to put him out there just to get him reps and have other teams attack him again. He's got to improve in practice, and then, you know, if there's an injury or whatever it may be, he'll get on that in that regard. I would like to see, and I think we had a question on the podcast I did with Harvey Hyde today about he went from playing, like, all the snaps to, like, None, right? Or did he have any? Or So, you know, could he go in there for a series or two for Cam Smith to take Cam Smith? Who, Cam Smith's coming off an injury. Can it's you true. get him off the field for a series or two? Like, yeah. wouldn't that make more sense? You don't have to bench him or whatever, but just to – he got benched, sure, but can he come in for four or five plays? Uh, I probably could, and I don't think he did. I mean, this is what I – Petition for, I guess. You know, I was trying to start a petition for Levi Jones last year. You know, they need those guys do need snaps to develop. Yes. So giving them a series or two series, uh, or subbing in two plays here just to give a guy a break, that type of thing, I'm all for. Uh, but I, there's been a lot of this is not directed just at you guys, but there's been a lot of talk about Polly and Idea. Why is he not in there? Well, because he didn't play very well the last game, and they have a senior coming back. That's why he's back in the yeah. game. But Mike, they do like they like him a lot. Uh, I mean, that's oh, why he played as much as he yeah. did. I don't know why it's a feast or famine, though. I don't know why sure. it's like Cam's back. Let him play a series or two. It's fine. I mean, give Cam a rest. I mean, he's he deserves a rest. He's coming off injuries and everything. He had the knee and the hamstring. So, yeah, I, I don't get that. So that's the the, the call we got. Listen to the Peristyle podcast with Harvey Hyde. The the voicemail. He was uh, really upset. A lot about development. Like, why will only rotate more guys? You got to get the young guys in and develop. But when you're forced to, like the secondary, everyone's going to play. Uh, but you'd, you'd like to see more people get developed and stuff. And you know, that, that was a that would be a great spot for him to come in uh, and, and you know help them try to shut down the run. But they didn't do it. Not that it really matters, but I was curious why Jack Sears didn't play the last like two minutes just to hand the ball off. You know, I don't know. Yeah, there were some, some tweets about that too. USC's really been horrible about getting quarterbacks like, in and stuff. Like, and even get, when you get a lead, but usually it's like, well, because they had a lead, but it didn't look that good. So it's, it's not like just like pounding the crap out of somebody. Um, but even then, when you get to the point where you could have put them in, like for whatever reason, USC's not really good at doing that. It's just like if you're coming off a game where Talno Hufunga got hurt on the last defensive play, like. Do you want to protect guys just to make Substitute. sure? I don't know. And like I said, it's not that big of a deal. I was just curious. 
Uh, we have a question from Matthew who says, what's the general vibe with recruiting? Is there any rumbling going on because of the coaching staff? Yeah, we got a lot of uh, recruiting questions too on the, the Periscope thing. Not really a recruiting show, but no, I mean, we, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, recruiting will be fine uh, as long as the, you know, if the product of the field's okay, like I don't think it's going to be a real big deal. Recruits look at it very differently than, than fans do. Um, but USC could very well win the South. I mean, I think all the things are coming out. Now, losing to like UCLA, that could get swing some momentum with some of the local guys and stuff. Uh, losing badly to Notre Dame is not going to be a great look. So it's not like super impacted and everything so far. It's not like people are like jumping ship or whatever. Uh, but the coaching uncertainty could, you know, have some sort of impact. So I think when Lin Swan comes out and gives his vote of confidence, that's probably in an effort to help with recruiting. Keely mentions the early signing period. So uh, nothing to, I mean, I don't know what you think. I think it's like, it's not, you know, you go out to these high school games and stuff. It's not like people are forgetting about USC or anything. Yeah. So wouldn't be a huge concern. Um, any other questions from Periscope or YouTube you guys want? Mealy003, you guys think Jack Sears will stick around? It's like if he didn't leave before when he was third string and now he's playing some and looks good, I don't think he's leaving now. It makes more sense for him to stick out another stick another year, get his degree, and then be a graduate transfer. Because otherwise, if he transfers, he's going to have to sit out a year. So why not just stay, get your degree, and then do that? Plus, it's easier to learn one system and then go somewhere else rather than trying to transfer and learn a system and, and Depending on the situation, you can be a grad transfer and then learn a third system. So there's some things there with that. Uh, Jasper asked, do you think Helton would be fired if USC would have blew a 21 lead, O lead against a bad Oregon State team? I think, I don't think you can come back from that. That might be tough to come back from. That's, I don't think there's a tarmac, but I think that goes into the whole yeah. folder of, ooh. That's what, that's a, that's an icky, that would be an icky loss, especially with a 21 point. Uh, lead guys. Mom. The answer, the answer is it doesn't matter because it didn't happen. It's True. hypothetical, hypothetical, right. dumb. You also don't need to ask about it. Who's going to be the coach? Because there still is one until there isn't one. Yeah, yeah. I've been avoiding the coach hypothetical questions. Yeah. So let's just answer all those coach questions for you guys. Yeah, about uh, Harbaugh, Jim, John Harbaugh. And, uh, yeah, probably every other name that Ryan will be like, oh god, why did you say that? Uh, uh, Ryan, oh, okay. Jim really wants you to talk about the possibility of Lane Kiffin coming back. I didn't make this up. This is he's been asking about it. What? It's Why? Just, I feel like I that's know. just a troll. Just yeah, if it's not. No. You should, it's it's a bad question. Lane's a better coach. Yeah, it's a bad Smack question. Him down a, and then we move on. That's he's how a better works. coach now than he was before. But no, USC shouldn't have hired him. Then they certainly shouldn't hire him now, and they don't have an opening. Uh, Molly the Pit one is John Baxter the best special teams coach SC can get. Well, Clayton gave him, he thanked God again today for John sure. Baxter. Uh, so Oregon State ran, with, that was just stupid. Why? Like, it didn't even look like a fake. It, it was it was dumb. Like they should have just either gone for it and then they ran the yeah. ball on like third. I, it was dumb. It was, that was like one of the worst Oregon State offensive sequences in the game, if not the worst. But then they ran some horrible looking fake field goal and... And USC it, just backed up into a defense, and the best part was like Cam Smith's like he's like you know, making signals like uh, being like no 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 there's something wrong here. Yeah. It's like everybody just played regular defense. But on the conference call, Clay Helton praised you know praised uh, John Baxter for so I, I think special teams have been you know better uh, for sure. There was some it really definitely turned turned things around since the Texas game. I mean they had the one you know the, the uh, punt return by Nikhil Harry, yeah. very nice play by him, but. The rest of it, the punters are actually kicking much better. 
even though Reed Budrovich did have a 23-yard punt leading into their two-minute drive, but it was still inside the 20. Uh, you know, the punters are doing much better. Michael Brown has come on as your backup and has been really good as a field goal yeah. kicker. I mean, he's missed one, I think. Their coverage units are, are have been pretty good. They've returned a punt for a touchdown. They blocked field goals. I mean, they they've completely 180 the season from yeah. after that Texas game where they gave up the biggest play. They let allowed a drive to continue with a with a really bad penalty. They've had a couple penalties, but not as many penalties as they were getting to. Yeah, so. I don't know if they got like I think it's been every game, but I don't know if they got one against Oregon State. They like I, every time there's like always a special teams penalty, but they might not have got one against Oregon State. It had been they did every single. Oh, they did. I believe they did. I remember. It had been every single game until the Texas game, and then I hadn't hadn't tracked it since. Yeah, then, no, so. I think everyone since then too. It's been, uh, but yeah, no, it. Um, Clayton is a big John Baxter fan, so after the season, if you're expecting, I don't know, we don't know what's gonna, how many changes he's gonna make. Um, is that would that be one of them? I, I don't know, but I, I feel like he's gonna have to make some coaching changes. You know, barring a run to the Rose Bowl again, which we talked about, is actually possible for sure. Yeah, I mean, it could happen, guys. If yeah. Oregon plays well, USC could, and USC's. This was a turning point. Their offensive line plays better. They build on this last game. USC could be in the Rose Bowl easily. Yeah. And they could somehow win it. They find a way. And then if that happens, Clay Helton has now won two Pac-12 championships and two Rose Bowls in three years. And he's not going anywhere for you guys. The problem would be, though, if, like, making the Rose – like, I think getting to the Rose Bowl is realistic. But it's also realistic that you get to the Rose Bowl and get thumped by Notre Dame and then get thumped in the Rose Bowl. And so are you going to get thumped in the Rose Bowl? Because if Michigan ends up in the in the, in the the Final Four, then they're Ohio not State able to be there. Ohio State or Penn State or something like that. Yeah, Ohio State. Penn State but, you beat. Ohio State well, is not as good this year. You're talking about a team that has Could. the same Could. kind of athletes, same caliber True. of athletes as USC, True. and that's where USC doesn't do very well. And so, it could all not come true. I mean, because right. they need a lot to have. They need to work that, in to play That's the really problem, well. though, is that like, you could – Find a way to beat. You know, all you got to do is beat two fairly bad teams, and you're going to go. and And Utah's lost their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, so they're likely going to lose a game. Arizona State, I mean, really impressed with what Hermes was able to do, but uh, certainly they could lose to Oregon. Now, Oregon got thumped by Arizona by like 30 points or something. But really it's, weird. It's a. It's a. The Pac-12 is just bonkers. So to talk about, oh, this is going to happen, like you have no idea. Like USC could lose their next two games. They could win their next two games. We, we don't know, but there's a lot of possibilities there. Where were we? I don't even remember what we were talking People about. People are saying, are you really talking about the Rose Bowl right now? It's a possibility. That's why it's like, so crazy that it's a possibility. Yeah. It tells you how bad the Pac-12 South is as a, as a, as a group. It's, uh, it's, the Pac-12 is god-awful right now. <laughs> That's why I think whoever goes could get something. Now, Washington State looks legit, but USC beat Washington State. You know, like, it's crazy, the Pac-12. I mean, I follow because I do the podcast of champions. If you like the Pac-12 football, go check out the podcast of champions. Uh, me and David Wood, so USC UCLA perspective on this stuff. But I follow it way closer than I really should, and I watch all these games and I pick all the games against the spread. And it's just nuts to go from week to week. I'm 500, perfect even record for the last four weeks, and I'm way above 500 normally. But just every week, everything changes. It's like Cal scores 49, Cal can't score at all. Arizona, you know, pounds Oregon. UCLA wins a couple games and they get smashed. It's crazy. Yeah, Washington doesn't give up a defensive touch, doesn't give up a touchdown on defense and loses to Cal. Like, it's insane. It's yeah, crazy. It's true. It's crazy. That's all true. You and know, Herb Edwards doing amazing stuff. 
The interesting thing is that Kill Harry's doing amazing. Say true. Say USC gets back to the Pac-12 championship. They play Washington State. Mike Leach has kind of created this like PR campaign around the whole uh, <laughs> officiating scandal. Yeah. So much so that on ESPN they were like, oh well, the one loss to USC, there was controversy on that. But the the controversy was on the JT Daniels targeting call. It wasn't on the Port Augustine. So it's just interesting. But how the Port Augustine one happened after, I, and then they're wondering like, hey, did someone make a phone call? I agree, on that? but yeah. the official like controversy was on the JT Daniels sure. call. But it's just interesting the the PR campaign that Mike Leach has successfully created. Well, he named was it Willie Dixon? Willie Dixon. Yeah. Willie Dixon. Yeah, I mean, he named him in like his press conference after the game. He knew what the heck was going on with that. So for the for the Pac-12 to say this is a one-time incident, like there's no freaking way that never would have made it into a report if it was a one-time thing. The only reason that those words were written down is because I'm tired of this happening. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like crazy. Bet anything on that. Speaking of betting, if the odds were plus ten thousand to have uh, to not have another bad snap for the rest of the season, Jasper asked, "Would you take that bet? A thousand dollar bet would net you a hundred thousand dollars." Wait, what? <laughs> but, so, would you bet? Uh, very good I'm odds. Thousand to one odds. Yeah, thousand to one odds. Ten thousand to one odds. Repeat the whole thing again. If the odds yeah. were ten thousand to one, to not have time. another bad snap for the rest of the season, would you take that bet? No, thousand dollar bet can net you. $100,000. I mean, I might bet like 10 bucks. Yeah, 10 bucks. I'm knowing. I'm in. Yeah, I, w- I would do that, but I wouldn't want to spend more than $10 because I know that I'm not getting that back. Don't bet the farm on that. No. Uh, I'll bet a small amount to get to win a lot, but yeah. Sean asked, the play calling seemed a lot better, question mark. And then Ron, to couple with that, how much of the impressive line play was Drevno and how much was an outmatched opponent? I think a lot of it was the, the it's Oregon State. Would you could dominate Oregon State, but they did some different things. I think they actually, you know, widened their splits a little bit. Uh, you know, the fact that they were able to get out in space and block some guys—that's an improvement. That's some positive uh, vibes. Yeah. Can they continue that going forward? That's the question. Yeah, you got. I mean, I think that I think everything was good, but it's like you just don't know. Um, you'll know next week. Robert says, based on what you saw on Saturday night, are you are you at all concerned about Cal and UCLA? Certainly about Cal because of the defense. Like, that's... I mean, yeah. This wasn't a performance where USC had all their ducks in a row and everything looked perfect. So... Watch Cal play. Like, they they are legit as far as defense goes. I mean, you got Jake Browning as, you know, Washington's all-time leading everything. And I know he's not that great. I don't think Miles Gaskin ended up playing that game. He he came back. Uh, You know, he came back for this last game against uh, Stanford, right, where they got the win. But... um, yeah, this is this is a defense that I mean Gardner Minshew has been slicing and dicing and crushing people. He didn't get the twenty points at home, you know. This is uh so you, you don't hold Washington State under twenty points unless you're doing something right. They're doing a lot of things right. So this USC offense is going to have to play a lot better and they're gonna have to sustain drives like they yeah. did against Oregon State. But you you can't just hand the ball off on third and fifteen or third and 16, and get 15 yards. Like, that's not going to happen against yeah. Cal. It's going to have to be scheme. It's going to have to be – you're going to see the play calling. It's going to have to be really good. And you're going to have to try to put guys in position to win, not just here's my here's the ball, athletes go out and just crush people. Like, it's not going to happen. So the key is going to be red zone efficiency because Justin Wilcox, his style has always been bend but don't break. I know USC play, people hated it when he was at USC. He's not being aggressive enough. He would, you know, some games he would never blitz. I remember, you remember that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, Sark loved me for that. Yeah, we charted all the blitzes to see if they were blitzing. Wow, TBT, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, so, 
you know, they weren't blitzing at all. They're basically just playing back and, you know, and making teams drive the field. That's what USC is going to have to do. That's what USC is not good at. So that is a concern. But they also did come off of a game that had 18-play drive, they had an 11-play drive for a touchdown. So I think there's some positives to take from the Oregon State game, but can you take a lot from it? No. Are you concerned with Cal and UCLA? I'm still not concerned, though. You weren't concerned with Arizona State either. Yeah, I don't. You, know, you haven't shown a lot of concern. You're like, ah, they'll cover the spread every time. They did cover the spread. Okay. Yeah. I said they would blow them out. Yeah, props to Oregon State. They covered the spread. So with the spread, I think it would be at like 16 and a half, and they won by 17. So um, Arizona State's still not that good. <laughs> They're in the Nikhil Harry. seat. Nikhil Harry is the good. He's the only one. I thought Manny Wilkins was going to come back and play better. He played better. Uh, Eno Benjamin is one of the best running backs in the conference. Benjamin, I was very impressed with him. It's the first time I've seen him since the high school All-Star game. So I was impressed with him. Yeah. And I was already impressed with Nikhil Harry. So I'm impressed with two players on their team. Do you want to know what you're smoking, Chuck, then? (laughs) Uh, We've reached the top of the hour. If you want to get some rapid-fire questions in before we wrap it up, we have a question from, from Eddie. Who says, what is T. T Martin's role now that he isn't calling plays? Recruiting, wide receivers. and He's he's the eye in the sky. Yeah, he's still, yeah, he's helping out from the press box. He's still involved in all the offensive meetings. It's not just about who calls the play. It's, you know, they they have to come up with a game plan every week. So he's involved in all that. Yeah, so they should be using his same scripts that he was using at the beginning of games, too, because those were very successful uh, so far this year. Uh, Uh, If we went against Bama or LSU, what would the score be? Not pretty. Well, LSU, okay, so LSU's defense would do some damage. Uh, but their offense isn't that great. Yeah, it would be, they would score like 23 points. But but Bama would be like it was a couple years 50 ago. 50 to 6? That sounds like a good score. Yeah. That seems uh, familiar. Shrink, this is a real question. Why don't we dump the shotgun, especially with the snap problems? Uh, they did some under center, right? They did. But that's just the, the philosophy of this offense. So that's not... If people that's like asking why don't they run the I formation because that's not what they do so that it's a it's a shotgun pistol mostly driven offense yeah Corey asks a similar question should they line up in more center to help the snaps in the run game the other thing though with the shotgun is that it helps a quarterback now if the snap is there it gives them an opportunity to quickly examine the field rather than worrying about their steps as they're retreating uh, which is something you have to worry about more when you do play action and stuff you can still keep your eyes down the field that's why you can do the RPO stuff versus, you know, classic power eye. I remember David Green at at Georgia was the winningest SEC quarterback when he left school. He was really good at just turning his back completely, and he would have the ball in his midsection. And it's very dangerous because if someone's coming off the edge, you can get destroyed. But he would just – he would fake it, and he would have have the ball in his gut, and then he would slowly turn around, and there would be somebody wide open because of how well he would fake it. But – that's like you're not looking at the defense at all. Whether it's the young quarterback, you want to give them an op- as much opportunity as possible to read the defense as quickly as possible. So I think the shotgun helps with that. But you got to get the snap to them. They got you know, especially right. if the snap is where it should be in the target area. Then you're being able to scan the field without looking at the snap as well. So that would help. As yeah. Well. Part of the advantage of having being in the shotgun, you lose if the snap is. Yes. You know. That's what I'm trying to say in a long way. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony says we also got another question about this. Uh, would you run Oxidic Wear seventy? 70- Five percent now that he's shown how good he is. Also, will he get a super majority of snaps now that Carr is out? Yes. You'll see 70-30. I mean, I think that's yeah. what you'll see with Vi. I don't have any issue with the distribution of carries so much. I mean, that, that's been fine, you know. It's been okay. Sometimes it's like a guy's running really well and you're like, well, we gotta get Yeah, I don't else. like that. But in this game, I was like, oh, they run the ball pretty good, and you know. Yeah, I think it'll be 60-40 to 7-30, somewhere. Yeah. Thanks, Anthony. 
Augustine wants to know why you're wearing a Rams hat, Shotgun. I'm not I mean, wearing Rams hat. Ryan? Oh, uh, yes. I'm not a huge Rams. I'm more of a Steeler fan, but I did have, like, uh, my buddies and I had season tickets the first year, and I bought this hat. Uh, but I went I went golfing yesterday, and I played really well, and I was going again today, so I wore it again. Lucky hat. And I had the best round of my life, so it was good. Jasper asked, are there no hotel accommodations in Corvallis? Why did the team stay in Eugene? Uh, there, it wasn't – they didn't have enough hotels. Oh. And the thing is, never stay in a college town at the hotels in a college town, if possible. Stay in a larger city close to it. Because there's much more chance of antics and fire alarms going off at 3 a.m. if you're staying in Starkville or you're uh, staying in Oxford versus, you know, if you, well, I'm using Mississippi. There's not any real big cities there. You go to Jackson, I guess, there. But you don't stay in Athens when you can stay in Atlanta, you know, that type of thing. You stay outside of, you know, where there's going to be college pranks and stuff potentially happening. Gotcha. We have one. Uh, who has been the offensive and defensive MVPs? Michael Pittman. This season. Nick Pittman? Yeah. He's still. Uh, I feel like first half I'm on Ross, second half Pittman. What about Akazerder? Where? He's close, but no, still Pittman. All right, how about defensive. Uh, Cam Smith. Given uh, given the difference we've seen without him. Porter Augustine. Yeah, the I mean, difference we've seen without him. Okay, cheating. Sure. Those guys. I mean, Ebon Marshall, you could say. Uh, True. Marvell Tell, the difference without him too. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's almost the, it's like when you have senior defensive players that have started for three or four years They're and good. you lose them, it's not as good. Yeah. It's weird, huh? Or when you have three defensive captains, you play without them, you don't play as well on defense. Uh, we had a question. Which is why I don't think Arizona State's that good again. Uh, whatever. We had a question about uh, any potential red shirts that we're excited to see in the future. Um, let me I think. Just talk about that. Brett they look good. Yeah, Brett Neal. So is Neal, now Nealon won't redshirt, right? Or he's only played like two games. Oh, he I need to redshirt. He redshirted last year. True. Never. Oh, okay. That. So he wouldn't be. Um, so guys that were gonna redshirt, uh, McLean, like he's he had to blow up play on uh, Elijah uh, Winston. I'm sorry, it was Elijah Winston that had that really good. Uh, yeah, he's play. really come on late in the season. He, you know, he's played the last two games. He also blew up an offensive lineman last week in practice and had his entire defense group yelling. Caleb Trimbley, a guy we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, he's been because hurt of injury. Like time. Uh, so he's another guy. Isaac Taylor Stewart, Elijah Gr- or Elijah Griffin's already passed the red shirt yeah, point, but Isaac Taylor Stewart is right at the threshold, so I doubt he'll be back for any more games. Uh, so those are a couple guys that stand at Didich, I like, I really like him. I think yeah, he's, he's going to continue to get better. better. Uh, he'll so. he'll fight with uh, for Nealon for sure at the the center spot, but he's just a nasty dude. Like he'll be fun his, to watch. His competitive fire is, yeah, is good, legit. needed in this team. Uh, Dark horse candidate Caleb Trimley, when he's actually healthy, I think he'll so be. Yeah. Oh, you did? Sorry, I was reading yeah. comments again. My bad. <laughs> no, sorry. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, any final questions? more than we should... Uh, Probably. It's, we're past one, eight. One is a lot of negative. Beck Stein has a lot of negative questions. How bad will the Notre Dame get? Game get? Will Hilton be gone if USC wins two of the next three or they lose one of the next ones? Um, so, do you foresee Clay present if he loses just one of the next three games? Yes, he'll be present if they go two and one. We're going to just talk about the team right now. Like, you know, we're just, this is... Somebody asked, imagine the secondary if Biggie actually went to the NFL draft net last year. Ooh. That'd be very That's thin. a great yeah. point. And uh, team used to be great. You asked what happened to Elijah Griffin. He has a shoulder injury. He did practice some last week, but uh, he has not come back. He, didn't make he did a not trip, travel yeah. with them for yeah. the trip, so he was not at, uh, 
not available for that. Mandy asked, do you think he'll get significant playing time when he returns? If everyone else is still hurt, then that's the right, guy that's going get, in. He should yeah. get some reps. Uh, Tell Hofunga actually did make the trip. He did. So that's cool. So did Porter, so, right? Porter did. He, he, he he's scooting around. Yeah, but tell no, I mean, he's from Corvallis, so it was not, yeah. it's obviously a bummer for him to get hurt. That You know, he could have played in front of all his friends and family and everything, but... Another popular guy was uh, Marlon Tupelotu uh, from oh, Independence, yeah. Oregon. He had, he had a lot of, like, friends, family on the sideline that he was talking to before the game. Actually, from L.A., they moved to Oregon, uh, went to school up there, and sure. moved back because his little brother is at Lawndale and so on. Oh. oh. So, and sp- since you asked about or said Hufunga, somebody asked uh, Crazy TS, how was Hufunga's replacement, which would be a Jenny Harris. He played fine. Yeah. I thought it was – I mean, he was – I think he was – he had to kind of do a lot of the calls, I think, when uh, Marvel Tell was out. But now he's just kind of complimenting Tell, and Tell can continue to do his thing. So, yeah, I mean, it helps having an experienced guy there. It seemed like, and I'll, I'll dive into this more when I rewatch the game closer, seemed like they used Ajene as the one high safety more than Marvel. Yeah, then, which then, is interesting because now, granted, Marvel can blitz. If you move him down in the slot to guard a guy, so that gives you more options there, and I think he's a much better blitzer than Ajene is just because of his size and strength. But so here's his cover skills, right? Yeah. I know you would think that you would leave Marvell up top and and you know move Ajene down in the nickel when you have to you know when you have to spread out the safeties that way. So I look at that more, but that was kind of interesting to me. We'll see if that's actually the case. Uh, last two I got is what happened to tight end number eighty eight? That'd be Daniel Mortabebe. He's been cleared medically. He is not comfortable enough to play. Uh, so we've not seen him. He's not practiced in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and if Clay stays, will they keep Pendergast? I would think so because Clay went out of his way to try to go get Clancy Pendergast. Yeah. That would be unless he, you know. Unless they're giving up 500, 600 yeah, yards a game. Yeah, it's – we don't know what's going to happen. So who, it depends how the season ends and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I anticipate some shakeup on the staff. I wouldn't put him as one of the first guys that would be – let go, but you know who knows. Or I, I don't think that would happen. Especially uh, if you're thinking about potentially overhauling the offense, I don't think you want to do both. Yeah, maybe some shakeups on the defense, but you don't want to get rid of your scheme yeah. after you have guys who've been in it for a while. You might get a position coach or two on the defensive side, but on the offensive side, potential, like Keeley said, it could be bringing a new offensive coordinator with their own offense. Like that's um, that would be my preference, but you know. We'll um. We should probably wrap it up. Or you got one more? Uh, people want bowl predictions. Bowl pre- no, I, those are the worst. I hate. I, there's. A, I hate a lot of things. And with the, way, with the way the Pac-12 is this year, yeah, oh there's no God. clarity. So it could it could still be anywhere from. I think. I think they could still go to the Vegas Bowl all the way to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and that's it's, that's almost the range. The, that is like the full gamut of the Pac-12. Right. I don't know what their worst bowl is, but I think the, I think the Vegas Bowl is one above it, right? Yeah, I think it's the next to last. Yeah, it's, it's Cheez-It Bowl. Okay, the, I hate when and I a lot what of people are these respect. names. The Cheez-It Bowl, the Red Box Bowl. It's yeah. called sponsorship. I yeah, think shotgun. But the, like people I respect, like Stuart Mandel does a lot of bowl predictions every week, and it's like it's so pointless because you have no idea what's going to happen. It's just. And with the Pac-12, there's different each bowl. There's some that can select if you have the same record. You can select up or down. Like there's a, there's a lot of rules to project uh, at this point. I think makes zero sense because, like Shotgun said, it could be anything. Which one would you want to go to? Okay, so Vegas is good because you get it out of the way. It's early uh, as far as like personally like covering it. You don't have to like it's not Christmas or you know. I would like that. Yeah, there's some of those. I mean, obviously the Rose Bowl is awesome. It's local. New Year's Day. And it's uh, fun. And it's fun. It's fun to cover that one. 
So I would rather be on the extremes, like instead of like I don't want to go to El Paso, you know, stuff like that. Some of them get like I, I forgot. I looked up all the dates of what they were, and there's like two, like a bunch of them on the three same of them day. on the same day. And yeah, two of them at the time, same time slot. Like, good job, Pac-12. Yeah, good job, Pac-12 Larry Scott. Is, yeah. Good job once again. Earning like, that four million dollars. You have like two weeks to do these, and you put two of them at the exact same time. Well, that's like Dan and I were stuck in UCLA, Oregon traffic trying to make it to Corvallis. We were like, thanks, Pac-12, for scheduling oh, yeah. both LA teams in Oregon at the same time. Alrighty. Well, <laughs> we're ending it on a... I would have said the Cheez-It Bowl or the Emerald Bowl or what it was. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to... If they would have stayed in, in AT&T Park. I was kind of an interesting, fun dynamic there. So where is it And now? you're in San Francisco. And you're in Santa Clara at Levi's. Oh, Nobody yeah. there. No, Levi's. Yeah. He's not no, in San Francisco to have fun. He's yeah, like, already got to go to... All right, we'll get there. We're going to San... We're flying into San Jose. All right, we're flying out of San Jose. Cool. We're done. But there's there's a lot of balls in the air right now. Just yes. juggling, the note, you know... The Pac-12 turns itself on its head every week. Cannibalism. Yeah. Pac-12. Every team in the Pac-12 has at least three conference losses except Washington State. It's crazy. It's good. So. And Washington State's now, what, sixth or seventh, eighth? So where they at now? They're they were eighth, I believe. Oh, the, well, the they were eighth in the oh, wait, no. playoff. Western and then the Virginia playoff is. thing won't come out till Tuesday. So I don't know what they were in the AP. I didn't see that. I think they moved up in the I, top I was, ten. They, moved in, they were already in the top ten last week, so I think they moved up a couple spots. Okay. Let's see. Alrighty, but this is why you should stay tuned. Pac-12, you never know. It's you true. never know what's going to happen. It's craziness. Craziness. We'll be previewing Cal USC on Thursday at noon. So tune into that. But that's Shotgun Spratling. That's Ryan Abraham. I'm Keely Orr. Thanks for tuning in. We went a little bit later than usual this time, so thanks for sticking around. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you guys uh, later this week. And Tuesday, USC basketball starts. Oh, true. We will not be talking about that on Tunnel Vision. Maybe after the football season, but until then, no. <laughs> we'll see. All righty. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks, guys. Thanks.